The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, my car, yeah. My car's parked right there. Good morning, everybody. Hope you are having an amazing day because today is Friday. That's right. It's November 17th, and today is International Students Day, National Butter Day, Substitute Educators Day because everyone loves a substitute teacher, World Prematurity Day. I'm not sure why that's a day. International Happy Goose Day and... Rico, it's your favorite. National Homemade Bread Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah for, what does that even mean? Yeah. I, I my favorite. It's, like, you know, it's gluten-free, <laughs> you know. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that QR code somewhere on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. We are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And now we are also streaming to Twitch, Twitter, Rumble, Facebook, is that all of them? I think so. And so, welcome to anyone joining us from any of those platforms as well. And kicking it off today, we have the dope dad himself who is out there in the great state of Nevada. Out yeah, there at the racetrack, showing people up and racing like a bat out of hell down the 15. That's right. It is none other than Knight Rider himself, Mr. Rico Meat. Thank you, Jason. I think it's very peculiar that you try to talk me out on my eating habits when you are the vegan. No, actually, <laughs> actually, actually, no, I'm not. That is all switched. I, I have a, a doctor, and I have been eating meat for the last two weeks. Oh, they told me okay. that I have to eat meat again. Yep. Carnivorous, I see. Mm. Yep, I've turned yeah. back into a carnivore, taking up all that meat. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of carnivores, let's talk about... Um, the Great White North, right? So, um, mm -hmm. Canopy Growth's plan to fast track its entry into the thirty-four billion dollar U.S. cannabis industry ran into yet another setback. This time, the SEC gets credit for squatting that shit back into the Great White North or wherever they identify as these days. And according to MJ Biz Daily, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission (SEC) earlier this month notified uh, the Smiths. Smith Falls, Ontario, Ontario headquartered company that the agency staff is opposed to decon 
consolidation of a new U.S.-based holding company, Canopy USA, that would own three well-known American cannabis companies that Canopy Growth agreed to purchase. For the article, deconsolidation refers to Canopy Growth presenting its own financial results in the same disclosure uh, as the pro forma financial results of its U.S.-based assets. Seems like a pretty basic requirement there that they shouldn't have overlooked. I mean, uh, if you acquire or start a new company in a new state, uh, you can't commingle or claim assets from the original entity with the new one, let alone a whole different country. So I'd assume somebody would be getting fired or making that big of a, for making that big of a mistake. But you know, maybe they said sorry, <laughs> and it's all good now. But uh, Canopy Growth disclosed this SEC's uh, the SEC's objection in the November 9th. Uh, news release announcing the company's second quarter results for fiscal year 2024. The three U.S. companies in question are Acreage Holdings, Jetty Extracts, and Wanda Brands. Canopy hoped to complete its overall plan early next year, but disclosure suggests that the objection is significant enough to take the giant a little more time than anticipated to close that deal. Canopy getting curved by the SEC comes just a year after the NASDAQ did the same damn thing for the same issue. Why didn't they not learn the first time? Uh, NASDAQ's challenge raised questions about whether Canopy could maintain its thing on the exchange if proceeded uh, with its initial plan to consolidate the financial uh, standing of both entities. Canopy uh, CEO David Klein responded to the blockage by saying this, as we continue to work closely with the SEC to advance this novel structure, we have been active discussions with the most recent communication indicating that there is more work to be done to enable us to deconsolidate the financials of Canopy USA. The company says its plans uh, to speed its entry into the U.S. market is not hampering Acreage, Jetty, or WANA's operations, which involve focusing on states that offer most potential for growth. Uh, for those who may have no idea what this is all about, Canopy was flush with cash just a couple of years ago and went shopping. They paid hundreds of millions of dollars to buy acreage, jetty extracts, and WANA in anticipation of the United States federally legalizing before 2024. Bad bet. <laughs> Under that plan, Canopy Growth would uh, hold non-voting exchangeable shares in Canopy USA, creating a ring-fenced structure between uh, Canopy Growth and Canopy USA. But since it is not federally legalized yet, plant-touching companies alone cannot trade. Uh, Canopy even acknowledged the NASDAQ's red flag in the same SEC filing back in October 2022, but for some reason, they tried the same shit again this year, thinking it didn't yield different results. In its latest filing, Canopy said it's current is currently assessing additional structure structural amendments to uh, Canopy USA that would uh, facilitate the deconsolidation of Canopy USA from the financial uh, results of its parent company. We'll see if third time's a charm, but I'm not holding my breath. Justin Trudeau and them damn Canadians. They thought they'd catch good old USA lacking. Sorry. Are we going to meet that on the street out here at uh, the Grand Prix Las Vegas? And I can't wait to see some fun action today. What do you guys think about this one? Canopy growth. Are they going to make it? Oh, <laughs> or are they going to say 800 million that they gave up for Jetty Extra, Swana Brands, and Acreage Holdings? <laughs> Because uh, if, if if they don't get the deal through, man, like they lose all of that money, and all those companies get to keep it. Just blank check. Oh, shout man. out to them. Shout out to those big, big, big winners. It sounds like they're going to get a little help from the SEC because I don't see the SEC 
uh, once 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 the SEC raises red flags, there's a, so much diligence that you have to go through um, in, in order to remove those red flags. I mean, the SEC is is gnarly. I've talked to a lot of different litigation attorneys that have dealt with SEC um, SEC complaints in regards, and they and they just tell me that it is probably one of the most nightmarish organizations to have to deal with in order to help their clients. Yeah, they bet. They bet on this thing like late 2021. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be legalized before the next election. Uh, and no. Nah. <laughs> I, I wonder what like speculator told cat. them that. What speculator told them that? I mean, he's got to be eating a whole bunch of crow right now. <laughs> I don't know. No idea of it. Yeah, they're just going to, they're just losing and losing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? At least they got Europe. So they can uh, push all the uh, all that Canadian uh, weed out there. Yes. But they ain't coming. Rico, do you think we're going to continue to see you know the big big deals like this happening for quite some time, or what? What do you think is is the trend here? Um, actually, it's weird right now. Um, a lot of the M and A movement as of this year, the second half of this year, has not been MSOs at all, um, and it has not been like the large entity either. It's been some size businesses that have been consolidating, scooping up a lot more assets. Um, so it's, it's it's different times. Um, if you're out, I mean, you're out in, uh, in Northern California, if you, if you see like a lot of new shops uh, popping up as people buying uh, licenses for pennies on the and then you have a lot of local entities that have been doing well. Catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing locally, you're, you're buying up other assets or 13 out here. Uh, his, his remarks saying that these guys aren't good at business. I'm going shopping. I've seen a lot more of those doing business. Um, I guess I've seen the big one, so I shouldn't use that. But um, uh, you see a lot of uh, consolidation with local companies um, buying out their competition. Mm-hmm. So those are retreating, and they're trying to go to markets where they know that they can sell. They lost a lot of uh, money in established markets, uh, like Colorado. Uh, in California, Colorado, Washington, and Massachusetts, um, they're all retreating out of there too, I'm trying to go to where they can run, where they can easily, alleged, I should say, allegedly grease pockets to the right people. Mm. Good old boys. Lots of grease. Got it. Got it. Sounds like one big greasy spoon out there. Yeah. Love a greasy spoon breakfast, by the way. <laughs> so, there's, so there's apparently the SEC. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think about this, Jason? You know, uh, the two of your favorite things: uh, uh, Canadian weed and uh, <laughs> canopy growth. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, I think the Canadians are going to get screwed on this. I think the SEC is going to tell them to basically take, take, take their shit and take it back to Canada and kick rocks. Yeah, I mean, you can trade freely as mm-hmm. a plant touching entity in. Uh, Canada, but yep. um, if you're doing it in the U.S., you have to you have to separate your plant touching entities from your your non. Exactly, I got a shelf for that. Exactly, and um, you can't commingle those assets. No, nope. <laughs> it's like basic business. I mean, you know, I, if you open up a business, Jason, in right, you have to open a different entity, and you have, can't commingle the assets or anything like that. That's it's correct. Like all that stuff. They're different corporations. So, they're different corporations. They act differently. They're like basically two different people. Can't get Ozarky, right? Yeah. yeah. You, see, you see what I did there, mm-hmm. Rico? 
Let's see what you people. did. Mm-hmm. See what you did. That's right. Are there so any of those companies that are operating at a profit? Um, I think they're all in the red now. Um, can it be? Uh, we just had a story about that last week, Jason, did we? Yeah. Or was it yeah. this week about about, about Canopy? Um, I know a lot of the the, the larger Canadian entities they have sold off a ton of their assets, um, a ton of their um, actual farms and stuff like that, trying to shrink down and, and go lean uh, because they were all making the same bet. Um, Tilray was worse than the others and openly said that they are not going to touch the U.S. market um, that they. The U.S. is right around the corner. They have recently uh, balked on that statement and said that they were going to start dipping their uh, toes in the U.S. Uh, in, in the U.S. market um, because they think that safe banking is going to pass um, sooner than later. <laughs> and right? Yeah. yeah well, safe safe right, banking is going to fix the balance sheets of these companies. The balance sheets of these companies look horrible. There's they're bathing in red. So uh, I mean, separate yeah, I cannabis. Separate cannabis from it. These companies just aren't a good investment, right? I mean, am I not right. seeing but, something? But you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, but, they're, but they're trading. Yeah, the, the fact is federally legal uh, in Canada means they have cash to to buy stuff here. So the opportunity is there to do that, but they're going to fail mm-hmm. if they do it before federal legalization. Um, and so uh, while they're still trading uh, strong, whether it's on the TSX or the other Canadian market, they're trading strong out there. Cash to play with right now, but if, if that all crashes, <laughs> they can be gone. Oh you know? yes, that's right. They'd be gone like the wind. That's right. And on that, we are going to keep this train moving. We're going to go right into a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. (laughs) Not plant touching. Not plant touching. Right? Something wrong there. Can't scale. And, and, and the execs are pulling big salaries. Ugh. We got to keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Up next, y'all know it's the man, the myth, the legend. He walks around with a red shirt on. Yeah, Sue Williams. Claiming. Claim, <laughs> <laughs> claiming that Donald Trump's going to be president again. But he I is. don't know, man. He is. Hold on. Even Michael Rappaport is getting on board with Trump right now. Just saying. I care about Michael Rappaport. No, no, he's Jason. What? Yep, 100%. I'll I'll, I'll send you the post after the show. 100%. He's an actor. Michael Michael Rappaport is on board with Trump now. I thought he was a comedian. I thought he's a sports analyst. He's a man. A comedian. Slide like yours truly. He flip flops more than a a Tiva sandal Christmas catalog. Oh, boy. More flip flopping than that. I'll tell you what, Jason Beck, what do you have for us? I'll tell you what, who doesn't flip-flop? That's me. I can tell you that much. I might change my mind, but I'm not, I don't flip-flop. I can tell you that. Couldn't wear, couldn't wear sandals if my life depended on it. But nonetheless, you guys, this is... Rico, I hope you're going to enjoy this story. All right, big, big, big news, everybody. 
everybody's favorite rapper, Snoop Dogg, who has built up a public persona around his copious marijuana intake, says he's giving up smoking. The hip-hop star, whose real name is Calvin Brodus, made a surprise announcement on social media in quotes, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time, he posted on Instagram and on Twitter. He did not specify what form, uh, what, what form of smoking he was stopping or whether he was serious. Others reacted with disbelief in some quotes they said on social media. Today is an April's Fool's Day, Snoop, said one. And Snoop without smoke is like earth without water, added another. Rohan Marley, son of reggae legend Bob Marley, commented, No more barbecue at Uncle's. The grill is off for the season. Snoop's cannabis intake has been well documented in his music and interviews. The rapper, 52, made his debut on Dre's 1992 album, The Chronic, whose title is a song named for high-quality marijuana. Over the years, his lyrics have contained multiple references to that habit, and in quotes, We gon' smoke an ounce to this. He rapped on his solo single gin and juice the dr dre collaboration the next episode which opened for the super bowl halftime show in 2022 carried the observation smoke weed every day and in 2013 speaking with gq magazine the art the artist said he was smoking 80 cannabis joints a day uh he founded leafs by snoop two years later and the company specializes in making its own cannabis strains concentrates flowers and edibles it says but nonetheless, Snoop is saying that he's quitting smoking weed. Is anyone buying this? And is it possible that he's just switching to hemp? I'm not sure, but I'm going to see what you guys have to say. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think? Snoop's quit before. I mean, people, people forget that. Like, um, I think it's like twice before he has allegedly quit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he always comes back. I mean, the th- here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, no, you know, quitting. No, no one wins when you're a quitter. Okay, that's 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 the first first start of this. Okay, but I'm not sure if I'm if I'm buying this, and I'm hoping, in all honesty, that he's saying that he's going to quit smoking blunts, and that's that's more what he's kind of alluding to. And maybe maybe Dr. Talleyrand, maybe he's only going to start vaporizing cannabis. What do you think? Yeah, maybe he's getting maybe he's, maybe he's going the clean route. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me uh, because, you know, observing patients over a long time, there are a group of people who tend to reduce their use or even quit using cannabis because as it used to relax them uh, after years of use and maybe it's high dose use also, uh, they tend to feel anxious with it. And so they stop using. So they're they, you know, if you look at some studies, unverified studies, you see a rapid increase in dosage, uh, sort of a, uh, in the first five years of use, a stabling or, or leveling off of dosage in the next five years, and then a slight decrease of use in the, in the final five years in a 15-year span. Mm-hmm. So it's incre- interesting to hear this. So possibly true. I don't know. Maybe it's all a, a marketing ploy, too. Yeah, it's very. It is. I think it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything with Snoop is marketing. That's right. Yes. Yeah, my of first thought because he released it, made a big deal out of it, 
He's probably going to release a, a vape pen soon or some edibles right. that don't require right. smoking. <laughs> so yeah. stay tuned to what's next. What were we yeah, going to say, Chris? I'm quitting, I'm quitting smoke. He's, he's quitting smoking. Yeah, I'm quitting smoke. What were you going to say, Chris? I was, I was just, my first thought was like, you know, the companies that he's working with in marketing and, and, you know, various things that he's got his hands in, in the cannabis space. I was, I was wondering if like, you know, any of those companies have the answer, right. Or were they caught off guard as well here? And so that kind of raised a few questions to me, like what's, is it real? Is it not real? And then how did, or how does the companies that he works with, you know, navigate this statement? Are they in on it, aware of what he's what he means by it, or are they also just caught off guard and and this is you know potentially bad for business? I have no idea. Well, you know, I I, I feel you, Chris. I, but you know what the part the part of the statement that confuses me is him asking for privacy at this time, as if like he lost like his parents or <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, like like it doesn't make that, that that part doesn't make any sense to me at all whatsoever. Why he's asking for privacy, or, or like he's going. It's like he's going through a divorce, man. You got to respect privacy. If you wanted privacy, don't make an announcement. Right. <laughs> exactly, right? right? Yeah, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> don't make a don't make a, a stink about it. That Jason, that tells you this is a hundred percent marketing. I it's agree. all about marketing. It's all about us covering this on this thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is is exactly. exactly what they want to make is some kind of splash. I guess it they is. They, it. They want yeah, when's the last time? I guess Stoop needed to start app. trending on the internet again today, or for some reason. You know, but he's no longer out chasing. That's right. I'll say it before I've said it again. If you need a celebrity to sell your cannabis, find better cannabis. That part <laughs> is true. So so true. What happened to celebrity already? And um, you can get somebody out of celebrity to sell your cannabis. Start tomorrow. We can sell. I think I think celebrities should actually just sell cannabis. They should just open up a little fruit stand on the corner outside of their neighborhood and just get it in. Like a little lemonade stand. Yep. Literally. Use a scientist yeah. to sell your cannabis. Yes. yes. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All about yes. Yes. Dr. Senior T and Dr. Mark are both fine. looking for licensing deals. If any of the cannabis <laughs> operators out there are the, available, yeah, but we're not cheap. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. And very photogenic. And yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about right there. Yeah. Yes. And no, and, yeah, no, no Photoshop needed. Right. And, and, and on that, we're going to keep this. We're going to keep this train moving. We're going to roll right into Dr. Gene Talleyrand. He is the founder of Medican. He's also the founder of CESC. And he's been writing recommendations so long that he probably even maybe possibly wrote your grandparents recommendation because it's been so long. That's right. It is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dr. Gene Talleyrand. I'm very happy to write your grandparents recommendations. Uh, uh, especially after this story. So happy Friday, everyone. My headline today comes from the New York Times, Why Some Seniors Are Choosing Pot Over Pills by Christina Karan. Older people are using cannabis more than ever. Here's what to know about its potential medicinal effects and side effects as we age. If anyone out there has a grandparent, forward this article to them. It's right on point. The senior wave is coming. Seniors are one of the fastest growing populations of cannabis users in the United States, 
While some older adults have used cannabis for decades, studies suggest that others are turning to it for the first time to help them sleep better, reduce pain and anxiety, especially when prescription drugs, which often come with unwanted side effects, don't work as intended. Baby boomers are 20% of the population and have 53% of the wealth. In 2007, less than 1% of people over 65 reported using cannabis. In 2016, that number rose to 3%. In 2022, it was more than 8%. The wave is coming, and it's not bras, dudes, hippies, or hipsters. It's seniors. Nancy Herring, age 76, has been using cannabis for her entire adult life. She describes herself as one of the hippies from the 60s. But it wasn't until she, her husband, now 79, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and dementia that she began to wonder about medicinal use. Doctors prescribed pills to help him rest, but nothing really worked, she said. At one point, he reacted so negatively to the medicine that he ended up in the hospital. Then they tried an indica strain from a dispensary where they live in Clearwater, Florida. Now, after one gummy and a hit on a pipe, her husband can sleep at night. Cannabis has not been studied well, particularly among older users. Meanwhile, as more seniors experiment with cannabis, they are evangelizing to one another about its benefits and sharing any problems they've encountered along the way. I have had dozens of patients who tell me that I, it has cured their various ailments, said Dr. Haley Solomon, a geriatric psychiatrist in San Diego. I think that it's really important to listen to them, to acknowledge that, and then to simply study it further. Steve Hickerson used cannabis sublingual drops for sleep, but said that they didn't help, so he's trying gummies, which seem to work much better. In the past, he felt using mind-altering drugs was morally wrong. I'm a Christian, he explained. But now, he said, I'm 79, things are different. Companies are capitalizing on the newfound interest. Earlier this year, Mr. Hickerson was bused to an event organized by Glass Houses, and he and 50 other people from his retirement community were offered cannabis products at a substantial discount. Older adult cannabis users need to be aware of potential drug interactions and consider how cannabis can affect cognition, coordination, and balance. Start low and go slow. Too many edibles can cause dizziness, confusion, changes in heart rate and blood pressure, panic attacks, and anxiety, and can land some people into the emergency room. The cannabis today, it's stronger. Mrs. Ms. Verna, age 88, rep recommends going to licensed dispensaries that sell products that have been tested by third parties. You just need to educate yourself and not be afraid of things, she says. Many older adults end up with all these bottles of medicines, and I don't think that's necessary. The San Francisco chapter of the Brownie Married Democrats has initiated a Cannabis Speakers Bureau, specifically targeting talks for older adults. They are the demographic that might most benefit from cannabis. They are also the demographic that might boost sales and drive cannabis to be more accepted by mainstream culture. Could your parents or grandparents use cannabis? Have you introduced it to them? 
This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand for Hyatt 9 News. Man, shout out to Dr. the seniors T. out there. This is great news for them, Dr. T. Here they come. Here they come. Um, but stock your gummies, Jason. I, I feel you. Dr. T, this is more information is coming out here on senior citizens. Like, um, back in 2017, I had a client out in Orange County, uh, Button Blue. It's a pharmacy now. And um, we did a, uh, I was with Baker Technologies at the time, we did a loyalty program um, specifically for the senior citizens because we found that 61% of the revenue from senior citizens. So we actually did a, a cool little diamond club for them. They can come in like once a month and smoke and then talk to the uh, to the crew there. And, and they were all spending $5 or more. Uh, just off of that, um, elderly uh, in America, not only is it better for them than the pills of their day, uh, but also they have stable income, fixed income. They got more; uh, they're a lot more loyal than everybody else. But for some reason, everybody who enters the cannabis industry, uh, on the retail side, wants to go the cool route. They want to go like everybody else. Um, I think it's a great bit of information, and more people should be biting on it. This been out there for a long time that senior citizens uh, are moving towards cannabis is, is the uh, continues to be I think it's like the fourth year in a row it's been uh, a senior citizen uh, lane has been the fastest move uh, in retail in cannabis uh, whether it's medical or uh, adult use mm-hmm. so it should be um, and marketing and advertising towards senior citizens it makes great business sense so I don't know why, man. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a trapper. <laughs> I'd like to see some trappers uh, actually dedicating their business to the elderly. Yeah, right. Everybody, grandma, grandpa, you got uncles and everything. Great. Uh, I know when I introduced uh, cannabis to my grandfather, it changed the time that he was able to dance in ten years, um, and he absolutely loved it. So, but yeah, reach out to the elder. elder. Yeah, I'll tell you they, what, you, they will be your best. They they will be. You know why? You don't got to worry about them robbing you or anything like that in all, in all reality. The only thing you got to worry about is if you run a tab up with them, they may forget how much they owe you. Hey, do you yeah, guys find that, that they – do you find that they can, that they purchase more smokables like flour or, or concentrates or are they purchasing the gummies and the topicals, the edibles and the topicals? It's mostly gummies and topicals, but the weird thing about Bud and Bloom we did, a lot more of them were dabbers than I than I thought. <laughs> like I could I, I can only imagine, you know, some of these uh, guys and gals uh, at the elderly home. It's like like all that oxygen that's in there, all those oxygen tanks. And shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, like I think we had like, like six or seven in the first trip because we picked them up from like a, a nursing home in in class. And, uh, and like like six or seven hardcore dabbers. I was like, I don't know if it's an Orange County specific thing or, or a California thing well, or, or what, but um, I, a lot more than I thought. I, I, I'm with you, Rico. I, I I've watched some 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 seniors that have incredible tolerances to cannabis, whether it's edibles or any other type of delivery method. And 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 I go as far to say that it's probably about a seventy. 
50-30 split as far as seniors that have super, super crazy high tolerances into comparison with the seniors that just want to purchase a topical or, or something like like less intoxicating uh, type of uh, they've been doing They've been dealing product. with pain for a long time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Wait, you're saying that there's more high dosing, high tolerance users? No, no, no. I think, I think, I, I think, I think, I think, thirty percent of the senior market is people that want super, super high quality, super, super high, uh, strong. Okay. And I think the other seventy percent are people that are just being reintroduced to cannabis from their age, and so they're a little bit more right. skeptical, and so they want to 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 ease back into that with with something more, um, you know, like a tincture or edible, something more presentable than actually just smoking. But there is a there is a decent amount of seniors that that still want to smoke, still want to dab, and still want thousand milligram edibles. You know, that's an interesting split. Some of our data from the dosing projects is showing a similar high group of high dose or low dose. It may be uh, metabolism. Why? Why you're seeing those high doses? That, that 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 very well could be, Doctor T. And I'm 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 extremely excited to hear that my anecdotal evidence is matching up with your scientific evidence. What do you think about that? How rare! <laughs> Look at that. Common sense wins again. <laughs> Any. And anything else from anyone on this? We all right. We're gonna keep it moving. We're gonna go ro- roll it right into a commercial. Thank you so much for that, Doctor Talleyrand. And make sure that you thank a senior somewhere and share your cannabis with them, but only if it's good. If you're smoking booth, don't. We'll be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Yeah, they're taking CBD oh, gummies. Yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure that you're taking care of the senior next to you. And also, too, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you've not subscribed already. And all the articles that we cover on today's show, you can read directly on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com. Share them with a friend. Tell somebody all about us. And be a better person. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. This this highly recognized organic chemistry specializes in natural product chemistry, plant oil analysis, and chemical application. And repping the great American Northeast here to break us off for yet another Friday lesson. 
Get your notes ready, everybody. It's Dr. Mark Sharon. Hey, Rico, thank you very much. Your audio breaks up a little bit. I don't know if anybody else is hearing that. It sounds like it's breaking up a little bit. Oh, no, I blame Las Vegas. Yeah, it's the Vegas Vegas tornado (laughs) winds out there. (laughs) When in Vegas, right? So my story today comes from the Minnesota Public Radio News, and it is entitled University of Minnesota Launches Cannabis Research Center. Ooh, that sounds exciting. So the University of Minnesota School of Public Health launched a new cannabis research center on Thursday. I guess that would be yesterday. The center will conduct research aimed at assessing the health impacts of the state's recent legalization of recreational cannabis for adults and will help inform future policies and practices uh, as the new law is rolled out. When state lawmakers made Minnesota the 23rd state in the nation to legalize recreational cannabis use in May, they set aside $2.5 million in annual funding to come from cannabis sales tax to fund the center to better understand how cannabis use affects different Minnesota populations and communities. University officials said that the new center will focus on work to better understand how cannabis interacts with substances such as opioids and alcohol, as well as the health effects of cannabis on underage users. Quote, For young people, the brain is still developing, and so there's some concerns about the effects of cannabis on brain development, said public health uh, professor Tracy Toomey, the center's inaugural director. And earlier, people start to use cannabis, there's some concern that they may develop a cannabis use disorder later in life. The center also plans to prioritize research on how cannabis legalization affects public policy and health equity, whatever health equity is. There's something for you to think about, Rico. What is health equity? I've never heard that term. (laughs) Uh, What we see sometimes happens with other substances like alcohol and tobacco is sometimes that communities are disproportionately targeted by marketing or maybe they have more stores or dispensaries in the neighborhood because some of the people want to buy product they don't want uh, those stores in their neighborhood to me said to NPR's Minnesota now adding that the goal should be to ensure that marketing and distribution are fairly distributed across the state recreational cannabis for use in adults 21 and older became legal in the state in August. While some tribal dispensaries are open, others can't open until states officials introduce a licensing system, which may not happen until early 2025. That's the end of this article. So I think this is this is very interesting because unlike um, some of the other universities in other states, uh, I think most notably uh, here at the University of Vermont, um, states like Lake Superior College in Michigan, Northern Michigan University, are actually offering uh, plant-touching 
uh, curricula for students. So students could actually grow plants. I think they're restricted to growing hemp, but we all know that growing hemp is similar to growing cannabis. And they're teaching the fundamentals of the, of the industry as we know it, including you know, supply chain, economics, understanding regulations, understanding, you know, various aspects of the business. But I think the interesting aspect that I see that's different here is that they're actually talking about researching the actual products that are for sale. As we know, uh, Minnesota has basically opened the door on these uh, low THC beverages, and that business is booming in Minnesota. Um, and I think other states are following suit to that as well. Um, so those uh, qualify for hemp because they're below the 0.3% THC in the finished beverage. Um, but um, I, I find it really interesting because I think the more university programs are doing research as well as teaching, the more it's going to legitimize uh, these products and that they're not as dangerous as maybe they were once uh, thought of. But I'd be interested in what everybody else has to say, uh, Dr. Talleyrand and, and others. And uh, that's my story today coming from the state of Vermont. This is Dr. Mark on High at Nine News. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Mark. I, I think this story is uh, on the surface interesting, but if you look at the history, Yes, research in California, you know, they've blown through tens of millions of dollars, you know, trying to show how bad cannabis is, how people are having trouble driving or how it's hurting your lungs. And they, they just, you know, they're, they're really seeking the problems in it. Meanwhile, you know, we don't even understand what what uh, cultivars make you energetic and what cultivars make you uh you know, sedative, hypnotic. We're, we're not really understanding the benefits of the plant. We don't know which plants are, are better for cancers. They're not really looking to study the positive parts of cannabis. They're really trying to find what's wrong with it. Um, so on the surface, it seems good, but, uh, you know, I'm concerned. I think we've wasted millions in California trying to do the same. Right. I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with you on certain aspects in that, Yes, if you're trying to tap into NIDA-related funding, NIDA is the National Institute of Drug Abuse, to get weed from the Mississippi uh, grow or the other grows that they're using now, uh, yes, things have to be directed towards negative impacts of cannabis. And I, I think that one of the things that greatly hampers research is Schedule One listing because in order to have a Schedule One license, you need to be inspected by the DEA and you need to have all kinds of levels of approval uh, from your university. And it becomes very difficult at the university level to do, I think what they're proposing to do here, which is let's just go to a store, buy some hemp D9 beverages and bring them into the lab and, and, and test them and analyze them and maybe look in maybe like a observational type of clinical study, you know, what what these products that we just legalized, okay, and, and people are buying, what these products are actually doing to people and are people becoming addicted? You, you know, it's interesting in Minnesota, you can go to a bar 
and now get a THC beverage. They're calling them mocktails or whatever, or not cocktails, not alcoholic at all. But now you're getting THC beverages being served in bars, and I think there's some you know, lack of regulation or lack of foresight by the state to basically come in and try to regulate that. But I think it's really proactive for a state to say, look, these products are available in our state and we really don't know what their impact is going to be on chronic and acute aspects of human health. Let's study this, right? We can buy these things legally. Typically, you can't bring cannabinoids or cannabis onto a university campus because of that whole schedule one thing. So again, removing this from the schedule would decomplicate that. But I think it's really progressive for a state to say, look, we're going to take some of the tax revenues that we're generating from the sale of these products, and we're going to see that these products are actually safe for our population to consume. It makes sense. It really does. Um, Dr. Mark, uh, I believe that uh, um, health equity was an extension of social equity, uh, and social equity is it's just, I mean, it's a marketing buzzword, and um, first, I, I think I heard it uh, from the Knox doctors, first, um, using health equity as, um, just from a, uh, from a medical standpoint, uh, trying to get the same access uh, to medicine as a whole uh, to people of color, communities of color, the same access that uh, white folks have privilege to as well. So um, this, I believe that's my understanding of it. I heard it, it first uh, from uh, Dr. Rachel. Nagel. Am I alone to think that such a term shouldn't even exist in the universe? I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, I'm with you. I'm with you, Dr. Mark. I'm I'm with you. It on shouldn't that. need. To, it shouldn't need to exist. Exactly. I would say. That's what. That's when what he said. Have, um, when you have the yeah. When you have the. Uh, the black, reality you know, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah black mother uh mortality rate uh the way that it is uh when you have uh just like, like black folks myself included they sent my ass home when i was dying uh from the er and they sent me home with some ibuprofen telling me to just get get better like a lot of that stuff just doesn't happen uh, to our white counterparts so uh i think that's where it comes from we shouldn't in a perfect world we wouldn't we wouldn't need to bring up stuff like that but it is what it is yeah. Go ahead, Jason. I know you're chomping at the bit over there. Yeah, yeah, Say yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I, I, I think, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's more of a socioeconomic thing more than it is a race thing at, at all. Um, when, when it comes to this health equity, because the reality of it is this: is some people data. can afford amazing insurance that gives them access to whatever the hell they could possibly want and more, and then you have a lot of people that have basic, just either no insurance or very low. Um, unaffordable insurance and you just basically get treated like trash and that's just what it is i think it's more of a socioeconomic thing i don't believe it's a color thing i mean it's not it's both <laughs> it's <laughs> both colors involved yeah yeah well colors are involved because 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 there are colors you know what i mean people use them to judge People do natural. People naturally do judge. Well, and we're all colored people. Is he a large black man in the ER saying that he's in excruciating pain? Is a ten out of ten. He sent him home with some ibuprofen, and he almost dies. You know. Yeah. No. I. I. I get it, bro. I've. I've been. I've been overdosed by by doctors on medicine, and so. 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 I. I, I get it. I totally. I totally understand it. Like I'm not. 
I'm saying that it's a real thing, but I'm just saying that I, that I think it happens. I think it's more of a socioeconomic yeah. thing as opposed to an individual and, race thing. And, and, it, and it goes back to the you know uh, um, the Rockefellers and uh, J.P. Morgan um, uh, creating the medical industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had like different. Uh, they had different mm-hmm. bullshit studies on black people. You know, from the size of our brains uh, to the pain threshold, like all different kinds of stuff that just did not exist. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of that's permeated into modern day know-how, mm-hmm. you know, and people still believe a lot of that crap. So a lot of people, people, put that in your pipe and smoke. Pe- people do believe you know? a lot of crap. I mean, you look at all the, look at all the Minds Project Sam effects, but on that, we're going to keep this train Good. rolling. Yes, we're going to yeah. roll right in to Mr. Chris <laughs> Eggers. He's a former law enforcement officer. But now he's choose to retire all of that and help out the cannabis industry with his company, CC Security Solutions, for all of your security needs. That's right. It's none other than Mr. Chris Eggers. Jason Beck, thank you so much for the intro. And may I also thank you, Mr. Beck, uh, President Beck, for the article that I'm about to share with you all today. I appreciate you putting this on my radar. Yes. Um, it is from the Washington Post. Uh, from columnist columnist Joe Davidson, read a, a few of his pieces, um, and the title is "Ohio's Weed Win Brings New Attention to Feds and Marijuana Use." It's a bit of a longer article, and I know we're uh, getting tighter on time, so I'm going to run through it. Um, recreational or adult use marijuana strong victory in red state Ohio last week means legalized cannabis will soon be available to more than half of the U.S. population, but current and potential federal employees. And contractors are not allowed to indulge no matter where they live. Uh, Despite the steady legalization among states since 2002 and a Gallup poll released this month showing approval from a record 70% of Americans, marijuana possession remains a federal crime and major, um, uh, let's see, um, and, and it still prohibits their use, right? So there is hope, however, for these who use cannabis and medical, uh, for cannabis for medical reasons and others, or just to get high. The outside the beltway developments have drawn increased attention to little notice bipartisan congressional uh, legislation approved with a 30 to 14 vote in September by the House Committee of Oversight and Accountability. The Cannabis Users Restoration and Eligibility, the CURE Act, would prohibit federal employees from using prior, but not current, marijuana consumption as grounds for blocking federal employment or security clearances. Democrats were unanimous in the support while Republicans split the vote. 14 voting no and 10 voting yes. So there's no guarantee that the quickly increasing public support for legalized cannabis will result in quick cure action by Congress. Um, Diane Goldstein, executive director of the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, urged members of Congress to heed the, quote, resounding rejection from our nation's long history of criminalization, end quote, end quote, align with their constituents to promptly passing the Cure Act, which will ensure the federal government no longer disqualifies promising candidates simply because of marijuana use. Now, this is personal for one lawmaker, according to this article, Nancy uh, Mace, a co-sponsor of the bill. She didn't vote in the Ohio approval from other Republicans to push or ease restrictions against cannabis use. Unlike others uh, at the meeting, Mace spoke about um, uh, being raped at the age of 16 and using prescribed antidepressants that, quote, made me want to kill myself. She said that cannabis, quote, saved my life. She added that anyone that was in the same position that I was should not be penalized for using something that has saved their lives. I'm going to go a little bit deeper down into this article because there's a few interesting quotes. Um, Let's see. Sorry, I just lost my spot. 
Um, down here. Sorry, Jay. So there was a bill opponent, uh, Pete Sessions, Republican from Texas. He warned that, quote, moving for this, moving for the sake of uh, ex to expedite without proper consideration of whether there are national security risks in doing so, his office did not reply to a request for specifics on how the bill and marijuana consumption might increase risks. There's another quote I want to share that uh, comes from a, a retired DEA officer, and he says that uh, I've never had to fight anyone that was smoking a joint. Those guys are sitting on the couch, man, eating Oreos and watching cartoons. Um, I found it very interesting that this former police officer uh, promoted the reclassification by saying that. Um, and then also to a couple other points earlier in articles that were shared by uh, some of the doctors about polyuse, uh, they didn't classify it that way, but uh, essentially, you know, describing how people react differently to different drugs. Um, I found that quote to be a little bit interesting here. So I don't know how the Ohio vote is going to affect this in the big picture and the big scheme of things. But uh, as of right now, it looks like the uh, there are you know quite a few people looking into uh, marijuana use and how it could prohibit federal employees, federal contractors. And there are a ton of federal contractors, as we know. Um, and how does that affect their employment? How does that affect their security clearances? And what is the path forward? Um, I found this to be very interesting. It's a long article. Sorry for breezing through it. Uh, curious to see what my correspondents have to say about this. Let them smoke. Let them smoke. But, you know, you know that's not going to work out like that. It's not going to So real, real quick, on, on this note, right? So um, I was recently talking to somebody within the SFPD who shared with me their new and revamped um, – drug policy, which when I left, which was over three years ago, that policy was written and in existence since like the early 80s, I want to say. Um, and there's a new policy that came out this year that basically says um, officers cannot use illegal drugs on duty. But I'll, and I'll share it with you guys if you want, because I'd love to, to hear what your thoughts are. But reading between the lines, I interpret it as like, they're not really asking. Um, and as long as you're not using on duty, you know, didn't call out cannabis specifically, but the way I read it was potentially loopholes to say, well, I'm using off duty. Uh, I wasn't using on duty and therefore I did not violate this particular policy. So I'll, I'll share it with you well, guys. After you're, the you're, using le you're using legal drugs. They said illegal drugs, right? So an yep. illegal drug has to be illegal. If it's legal in the state, it's legal in the state, right? That's how I interpret it as well, doctor. I mean, listen, you've got, right, you've got like licensed dispensaries, taxpaying businesses in the city of San Francisco specifically, for example, right? And then you've got this policy that says we can't use Ill illegal drugs. Now, I can promise you the department will say, well, it's federally illegal and therefore we gotcha. But uh, I promise you that, you know, law enforcement acts on a case-by-case -case basis and uh, punishment is not handed out um, fairly by any means. It's not consistent. Uh, they definitely pick and choose how and when they want to discipline officers or not. So it's going to well, depend on the officer. How ironic that the same officers won't enforce the federal law. They enforce local or state laws, right? Local or state law says that this is legal, right? <laughs> right. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've said this multiple times on this show and others that, you know, it is not a cop's job to determine if the law is right or not. It's their, it's their, it is not their space. It's their man. job so, to enforce it. 
or not though, right? Use yeah. dis- use your use your, your common discretion, sense. Use discretion, your discretion, discretion, right? Discretion. Jay, discretion. Jay, there are so many times when you know, in my opinion, common sense prevails. It's like, okay, is this person what they're doing? Letter of the law, right? Illegal. Okay, letter of the law. Yes, it's illegal. Spirit of the law, not illegal. Kick rocks. You know, let's all bounce, right? Mm-hmm. But. And that, that's a, that's dependent on what we're talking about. Obviously, that's not um, a blanket statement across the board, but, you know, all good talking points. Without a doubt. I think this is good because it's going to put pressure on the federal government, you know, coming from Ohio, which a lot, you know, which has its influence on both sides um, it does. of the aisle. Um, I think it's going to really put more pressure for federal legalization. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, Dr. T. Without a doubt. Do you think that um, the decision-making process would fare any better if AI took over? Chris? Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, say, 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 that, say that again, Rico. <laughs> if AI were to take over cops' decision-making. I'm not sure it already hasn't taken over already. Depends <laughs> on who's writing that AI code, Rico. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Should, should I stop and frisk? Put that shit in chat GPT. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. All right, we're not even we're not even touching that. I'm I'm, I'm going to roll right into this since we have the two doctors on. This is a pretty pretty fascinating story, and I think you guys are both going to find it interesting. Maybe you a little bit more, Doctor Mark, because it comes out of Maine. Because they say a high percentage of Maine medical cannabis is contaminated. Regulators say. Maine regulators are again pushing to modernize the state's medical cannabis program after a report showed that 42% of samples they recently tested contained contaminants such as yeast and pesticides. Maine's Office of Cannabis Cannabis Policy, the OCP, found that 50 of the 120 samples the agency tested in this round of audit testing would have failed under the lab testing standards for adult-use cannabis in the state, according to a news release. In a quote, this data indicates that Maine's medical cannabis program needs a comprehensive solution to reform and modernize the system in order to protect Maine's patients. OCP Director John Hudak said in a statement, medical cannabis is... Medical cannabis in Maine is not subject to the same lab testing requirements as adult-use cannabis, and efforts to change that have been met with resistance from cultivators and caregivers in the program who say their products are safe. According to the OCP, of the 120 samples, 30 failed for yeast and mold, 26 failed for pesticides, 4 failed for heavy metals, and 1 failed for uh, filth and foreign materials. Michael microbutanol was the most common pesticide found in the samples with eight exceeding uh, the acceptable threshold, according to the report. And one of those samples contained 293 times the allowable threshold, according to the OCP. And the OCP's report comes at a time when lab testing requirements and enforcement for the cannabis industry differ dramatically nationwide and product recalls are common. I'd love to hear what you two doctors have to say all about this. This is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Microbutanol? Yeah. Isn't that the stuff in Eagle 20? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Eagle 20, and that's, you know, basically sprayed on to, you know, deal with things like powdery mildew. Um you know, a lot of outdoor, just because of the weather here, a lot of outdoor farms in this area of the country uh, get hit with a variety of different 
fungus, uh, most certainly botrytis, which is kind of known as bud rot, mm-hmm. right? Which doesn't completely make the material not usable. It just hits your yield and, you know, your colas aren't as full. And, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of issues. But, you know, there are no chemicals that are approved used on cannabis. And the fact that they're finding pesticide contamination as well as all the other things, I mean, it's just really disappointing. Because I know some producers up there, and I I think they make good product. But I think that, you know, again, this is uh, probably a few bad producers who are, you know, under economic pressures to get products sold. We're just trying to get stuff out there. And the fact that the medical and adult use have different standards on testing, Dr. T, that doesn't make any sense at all. It almost seems like I thought what you, the way you read the story, Jason, mm-hmm. was that the testing for the adult use was more stringent than testing nope. for medical. Is that correct? No, nope. it's, it's more stringent for adult use than it is for medical. More stringent. That doesn't make any stringent. sense. More stringent for it. Right? Well, I mean, Dr. T. I, I, it doesn't I think, make sense. I mean, I, I understand from your perspective it doesn't make sense, but from a lobbying perspective, it makes a lot of sense. What? How does it make sense? Help me understand. Politics doesn't have to make sense. Yep, I'm, sa- I'm saying that, <clears throat> that there was a whole bunch of medical advocates that advocated because they didn't want to have 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 more stringent requirements on 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 the medical side and then you ha- and then at the same time they're like hey if you want to implement these testing standards uh, implement it on the adult use market because it's for the general public and then your guys concern our concerns are about public safety it's pretty much easy as that yep. and, but and, those, those and, same and people want pesticide tainted cannabis i don't I think mean, they I necessarily assume... i don't think they necessarily want pesticide tainted cannabis in 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 full full honesty but at the same time, I don't I don't believe that a lot of them believe that there are pesticides or contaminants in a lot of the cannabis. And a lot of the times when these rules get implemented, a lot of the cannabis that was really, really amazing is not able to pass for some reason or another. And I think they don't want to give up on their quality quality of uh, consumption. Yeah, the, the question is, what are the acceptable standards you know, and where did they come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have we done the appropriate studies on what's good and what's bad um, for people to consume? I, I, I absolutely agree with Mark that I think it's ridiculous that they are um, have less standards for medicinal users yeah. that with the potential of get, getting harmed. But um, what are these standards? How do you know what's good to smoke and what's not? I mean, most public health people say nothing's good to smoke. So, um, you know, does something with a little pesticide worse than, than, yeah. that, than that? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. It's follow, follow the money, man. Yeah. On the yeah. adult use side, you have a lot more companies looking to enter that market and, and get a piece of that pie, which means a whole lot more opportunities to fund your can- your next campaign. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Exactly. The SOP should be in place to basically grow cannabis free of pesticides so you don't need to use it. And those pesticides are only used after you found out that because you've cut all these other corners, you now have a contaminated crop. Oh my God, what do I do? They spray chemicals on it and they pray that they don't get caught, I guess. I I, I don't know. It just seems like if you're a medical user, like I could think of like a uh, you were talking about the the senior population, Jean. 
I mean, imagine like one of these seniors consuming a concentrate that's contaminated with what they said, like 200 times the level of microbiome. I think these were all, all flour products, uh, doctor. I don't, I don't think that they, I don't, they, they didn't mention that. Right, but assume that that flour product now gets extracted. When you extract a contaminated flour product, yes. you concentrate that, you know, and that concentrate can be really at that level, you know, I hate to say it, deadly. Yeah. Deadly. Yeah, I was going to say it, deadly. Well, nobody yeah. wants deadly in our industry, so uh, no. that, that's a place where we got to work to make it better. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, do better, be better, all of those. You just, you, you just think, you know, if you're a medical patient or you're going to a medical dispensary, that everything would be cleaner. Everything's going to be safe. Yeah. Perception would tell you that. Yes, perception would tell you that. Come on, Maine. Get your shit together. Mm -hmm. Got any more uh, comments on that one? Got anything on that one, Chris? Oh, Chris just, Chris just dropped. Chris just dropped. He has a meeting. He's got to run. Yes, it's time to run. You know what, y'all? We're wrapping up the week. Thank you all for joining. He's back. Oh, he's back. Like he left something. Oh, he's back. You got, uh, you got any comments on that one before we close out? Oh, no, 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 no. I just wanted to come back and say say goodbye. I've got to hop for another call, but uh miss you guys. Rico, be safe out there in Vegas, man. You know, it's wild yeah, on them streets. I, I, bought a, I bought a Bugatti electric scooter. Costco. <laughs> I plan to take it back on Sunday. <laughs> if it doesn't get stolen. <laughs> Oh, real talk. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us for yet another week of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. To our live audience and online supporters, catch us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team, tuning in from all over, bringing as much needed variety of perspective and your respective opinions to the table, our production team, five media partners, all of our sponsors, Smoky Vanilla in the building today, uh, keeping our lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And as always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day, it is Friday. What is it? Uh, the, the 17th? 17th. <laughs> the hell, yeah, yes. My, my calendar up today. One seven. It's Friday, the 17th of November, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with top industry headlines. Hope it's enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least tomorrow until Monday. I'm Regal to meet the dopest dad on the street for High at Nine News. And um, I'm going to be out here getting fucked up and uh, hopefully not getting run over by an F1 car because they're right outside my uh, my hotel. Dr. Shabdoni, what do you have for us today? Well, you have fun in Las Vegas. Have fun in Las Vegas. Remember what's done in Vegas stays in Vegas most of the times. But do say hello to the glamour girls of Glitter Gulch. <laughs>